Hey everybody, welcome to Pit Stops to Podium, the Rev Partners podcast, where we talk to execs who have competed in one, taking their companies from high growth to high scale. My name is Brandon Tolson. I am the co-founder and CEO of Rev Partners, and I am thrilled to have with me today, Pablo Dominguez. Welcome, Pablo. Hey, Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I will give Pablo's background because that's not usually fair for the guest to actually say what he has done. Uh, but for a quick CV, Pablo currently serves as the operating partner of sales and customer success at Insight Partners. Uh, and prior to Insight, uh, Pablo has served multiple functions, but uh, most notable for this conversation uh, was he was a global um, head of sales operations at ADP. So one of the beautiful things is that Pablo brings both industry expertise, but also on the VC side. So thank you, Pablo. Thanks for having me. Really excited to talk to you today, Brian. So Pablo, um, I'll give you, before we kind of get into the big idea and ultimately the fun facts, uh, who is Insight for our audience? I'd love for you to kind of give a little bit of education on who you guys are. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Insight Partners, uh, venture capital, private equity firm uh, based here in uh, Manhattan, New York, and uh, 25 years of software B2B uh, investing. Um, and we invest in growth companies, companies that are, that are scaling, that are coming out of that startup stage, uh, starting to scale. And uh, yeah, we have uh, huge presence in New York, uh, on the East Coast, West Coast, a lot of investments in uh, Israel, Europe as well. Um, so excited to, to share a little bit about uh, what we do. Well, before we get into that fun kind of big idea, a tradition here we have at, at the podcast is to get to know our guests outside of the workforce. So Pablo, what are three fun facts that our audience should know about you? All right. Fun fact uh, one is I went to the University of Texas and like most people that you know from Texas, for the, for the listeners, they uh, love Texas. Uh, so I am a diehard everything Longhorn fan, whether it's uh, women's tennis just won national championship last week, men's swimming and diving won a national championship this year. Uh, I follow every uh, collegiate event at the University of Texas. Well, it's got to make up for the football team for the last few years, right? It absolutely does. <laughs> Oh, and you, you tell our audience about your dog. I think that's an awesome fact. Yeah. So my dog's name is Austin Texas Dominguez. So uh, nothing gives me more joy than actually getting <laughs> his bills in the mail. And it actually says Austin Texas on it, which is awesome. So that's amazing. All right. What else outside of uh, being a, a diehard Longhorn fan? Yeah. Um, loved a mountain bike. I actually just came back from Moab, Utah. Went with uh, four of my buddies uh, for an intense mountain biking trip. And uh now that my kids are a little bit older, it's something I've started to take up again and uh, try to mountain bike as much as I can here in New Jersey. And uh, yeah, it keeps me fit and uh, excited. That's great. And you also have a, a cooking hobby, right? I do. So wife and two kids. And uh, my second hobby is I am trying to become a semi-professional smoker, not uh, cigars or marijuana, but uh, meat smoking. So do a lot of smoking during the weekend on the weekend, ribs, brisket, uh, pork butt, you name it. And uh, yeah, it's fun. It's it's a blast. I feel like we're coming back full circle to, to Texas. So this is good. I just ordered a smoker from uh, Franklin's in Texas, actually. So <laughs> super psyched about that. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, let's, let, let's transition out of Texas and let's get into to the big idea. And you already kind of started to give the soft pitch what we're going to talk about. But in light of your experience and where Insight is focused, I thought it'd be really great for our audience to understand from you where you sit, 
when they're growing their sales team, like what are the things they need to think about? And specifically, if you're looking to double your sales team, there are some key considerations that you have a unique perspective on. And so what I'd love to cover within that big idea is really around roles, responsibilities, hiring and onboarding, and ultimately, how do you motivate the team? So let's start with that first topic around roles and responsibilities when they're growing sales team. Yeah. So um, again, right. So I'm the operating partner for sales and customer success, right? So my my team is primarily focused on helping our companies scale, right? And so the the main issue that we see when companies are scaling is, you know, I've got 10 sales reps today or five or 15, and now I've got to continue to grow and I'm doubling that, right? And so to your point, in terms of roles and responsibilities, the main question is, it's not just, okay, how do I add 10 people, right? I'm going from 10 to 20. The question as you start to scale is, well, what are those 10 people, right? Am I just adding... 10 reps that like the 10 reps I had before. Um, when you're a startup, you're hiring generals, right? Your reps are selling new business, they're doing expansion, they're probably doing some renewals, they're doing everything, right? And so when you start to scale into that growth stage, um, should I hire account managers and account executives? Do I hire a CSM and an account manager and an AE? So knowing what roles to hire based on your go-to-market motion and what you need is extremely critical, right? Should I focus those headcount more on BDRs because maybe my top of funnel isn't strong enough or I have too many leads to qualify, right? So we try and help with sales capacity planning to really uh, you know, inform the CRO, the CEO on what types of heads to focus on. I like that. So what I kind of heard you say there too is that the, the go-to-market motion informs the type of headcount that you need to create. And there's also that kind of, you know, based off of who you're targeting, that gets into things like upsell and expansion, depending on how the go-to-market motion works. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, one thing I didn't touch on, but, um, you know, if you, if you have a strong indirect motion or you want to focus more on the channel, those headcount might be more channel focused, right? To, to build out the channel if you're starting to scale there. If you have a highly technical complex sale, you may need to invest more in sales engineers, right? Which are a very critical role, as, as all of you know. Um, or product specialists, right? So it just really depends on your motion, enterprise, you know, mid-market, SMB, uh, indirect, et cetera. Well, yeah, it's a, a natural transition to the next, you know, topic, which gets into hiring and onboarding. So you have an idea of your go-to-market motion. You have an idea of the type of roles that you need. Now, how do you think about, you know, what's the profile of the candidate you want to bring on board? Yeah. So, you know, when you start to, to scale significantly your headcount, you've got to be a little bit more prescriptive on, do I know who I'm going to hire, right? Do I need to hire for vertical expertise? Does it matter or, or is the best, you know, we only do B2B software. So is hiring the best software sales rep from Salesforce going to work in a fintech or an edtech, right? Um, so, so determining that profile is extremely critical. Second on that piece is, what do I do when they're here, right? When you've got five reps or 10 reps, you know, you're, you're all sitting in a room together in different offices and, and it's pretty, you know, cozy. But when you scale, do I have an onboarding plan for that, right? How am I going to train them? How do I ensure that they know how to pitch the value prop, the message? Uh, have I built out curriculum? At that point, the CEO or the founder can't be doing everything, right? Like the, the head of sales or maybe somebody in product marketing needs to step in and provide that. So, um, Onboarding quickly and ramping reps is critical because, as you know, uh, every month that a rep isn't onboarding or, or ramping effectively is sort of money that's lost. 
Yeah, it's interesting. In a previous podcast, I was talking to HubSpot's enablement team, and you know they really have two metrics, and one of them is what they call TDR, time to ramp. And it's exactly what you're just describing. It's, it's not just productivity, but it's also how quickly can you get these reps enabled and trained so they can actually carry quota and ultimately drive revenue for the business. Yeah, and, and back to the time one and two together, right? The first question around roles, roles, we talked about sales capacity planning. The biggest mistake we see companies make is they make false assumptions on ramping, right? It's like, oh, I'm hiring 10 reps. They're in my model. They're gonna all ramp in six months. We're going to hit our plan. Uh, No, it's probably going to take nine months, right? If it's enterprise reps or longer. And so being realistic on the ramp time and not trying to be overly aggressive will save you on, oh, well, we missed because we over, you know, we were too zealous on our our ramp times. Yeah. It's almost like people planning on the outlier as opposed to what's the norm. Exactly. And that gets you in a lot of trouble. All right. Let's transition in the last topic. So we talked about roles and responsibilities. We talked a little bit about then how do you hire and onboard, but then there's the third leg of how do you keep reps motivated. And so I think it gets a lot into not just gamification, but comp plans, things of that nature. Yeah. So you now know what roles you have, you onboarded them. How do I incent them? Right. Um, Pretty simple when you've got a couple of reps to just build a very standard comp plan. Now you've got reps doing expansion. You've got reps doing renewals. You've got more SCs, you've got BDRs. And so knowing how to incent reps and reward them appropriately, right. For the behaviors that you want, are you just paying them to to grow their existing base? Are you growing them to land new logos, just net new ARR? Um, And ensuring that you reward for overperformance, right? A lot of, you know, some companies uh, don't want to pay too much for overperformance. And the the coaching that we try to give is, look, every dollar above 100% is gravy, right? Like you should should pay a lot for that because the reps have done what you asked them to do, right? So uh, definitely want to motivate with the highest accelerators possible, Definitely believe in balancing spiffs as well, right? Throughout the quarter, you want to incent certain things. You don't want to create, you know, an overabundance of spiffs because then people uh, get distracted from the comp plan. But uh, you want to make sure that your quotas are equitable. I can achieve them. Uh, and then I'm growing. Obviously, quota settings hard. When you're small and you're trying to scale, you may not know what a quota should be, right? So we always recommend, hey, set the quotas so that people can hit to the financial plan. And then if you go above the financial plan significantly, um, you know, reserve the right to review payments above whatever, two, 300%, right? But don't cap, don't cap the plans, right? Because that is yeah. very demotivating for the reps. Yeah. So the big things I just heard, which I really appreciate since I was uh, in sales at one point in my <laughs> life is uh, reward the right behaviors uh, and create a model in which everyone wins, meaning uh, you're incentivized to both. I mean, if the company wins, you should win. Uh, and then also from a company perspective, don't be shy to create a model uh, that facilitates that. And uh, yeah. But also be realistic in terms of how you structure not only your targets, because if you don't set the targets right, not only impacts the reps, but also impacts you, especially if you have insight or any investor behind you that's oh, looking at those, at those targets. Yeah. Yeah. And you've also got to ramp the quotas, right? You're talking about a rep ramping, like a ramped quota is not just the annual quota divided by the number of months I'm on plan, right? Because the first three months, I'm probably not selling much because I'm onboarding, I'm training, I'm learning, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm spending time with the rep. So that ramped quota needs to be set also appropriately so that I'm motivated to be successful and you don't give me something too aggressive that isn't realistic, right? So um, again, just take some massaging in time as, as companies scale, it's hard to get it right. And that's okay. Right. That's why we work so much with our portfolio companies. Cause it's a, it's a, it's an art as much as it is a science. 
Yeah, and there's the areas around even just sales cycle and the average deal size that will also impact that ramp time. Absolutely. So to your point, there's the onboarding, but we also have to be mindful of what does that sale actually look like? And that kind of gets back to the go-to-market that you were describing earlier. Absolutely. Well, well Paul, this has been really insightful for me, uh, not to use a pun, but it's been uh, great to hear just some of the best practices that you've incorporated, both from your experience at, in um, you know, ADP and others, but also what you see across the portfolio at Insight. So if people want to you know, follow you, learn more about you or Insight, you know, what are some practical steps that they can take? Yeah, I mean, if you, uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, try and share, you know, content that we share that we provide from Insight. Um, we have a lot of material and blogs on InsightPartners.com. It's open to the world uh, to to view, both from a commercial perspective, uh, also marketing, product, content, etc. Follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and uh, happy to connect with anybody. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out. Hi, right, Pablo. We really do appreciate your time. I know I learned a lot. I'm sure our audience did too. So, uh, wish you all the best, and we'll talk soon. Cool. Thanks, Brendan. Appreciate it. Thank you. See ya.